Um, hey, Mark. How you doing? Welcome to. Um, welcome. Well, what, what do you mean? Welcome to. Just hi. <laughs> I think uh, I'm going to well, stop saying welcome to. Welcome to React. That's yeah. that's dumb. I'm just going to say hey, hi. So good. Yeah. What's up? How's it going? <sighs> it's going. It's going okay. Um, yeah. All sorts of things to report. Um, but uh, I'd love to hear from you first. Like I know you've had a, an interesting week, so I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. Uh, so gosh, it's still the same stuff. It's still like Visa. Still, I got. I have banking. Like that's good. Don't have a lot of money in the bank account, but the account is functional, which uh, is obviously a huge burden off my shoulders. Um, let's see. My entrepreneur visa looks like all is good, and that's uh, not super easy to get right now. So I'm glad about that. Turns out, in order to turn that into a resident card which has to be done within 15 days of getting the entrepreneur visa. I had to submit some other paperwork, including a lease. And the lease that I'm on has already expired. And I've just been going month to month with a landlord since then. It's fairly common in Taiwan, actually. A lot of times we'll just sign one for a year. And then after the year is up, uh, you don't have to stay an entire another year. Exactly. You just go month to month and have to give two months notice. Um, I didn't have that, so I had to get the lease. Like I had to get a new lease, and I'm kind of in a hurry. Like I, I didn't want to wait till till the day where I pay rent, so I had to scramble and work something out with my my landlady. And also, uh, I don't want to stay a whole another year in this apartment. I'm, I was going to move into a little bit nicer place in a few months, so there was some stress around that. But I have the lease, and I have all the paperwork I need. So hopefully, uh, when I go in on Friday morning to turn in my my submission, all is good. And three or four weeks after that, I will have a resident card in Taiwan again. Good luck. I, I really hope yeah. that works out for you. Me too. I, although I think it may, there may just not be flights back to the U.S. You know, if things keep going the way they are. Yeah. Because um, I, I think all the longer longer haul travel especially from Taiwan, it's, it's just like not being done. Like you can still go to Japan really easily or um, maybe Singapore, some other like fairly nearby places, but like cross Pacific, I don't know. Well, that's very cool. Um, it sounds, it certainly sounds hopeful. So you're yeah. sort of, you're, I'm getting the sense from your voice, you're frustrated. <laughs> it's like it's it's a pain a pain in the ass yeah, but yeah. it feels like it's it's going in the right direction yeah for sure i i think it's it's like 99% sure at this point i think uh uh as long as uh you know nothing really weird happens it's fine were so, you able to do any uh exercise or fitness stuff during this um stress uh yeah a little bit not enough uh, i i didn't go out running at all um, partially because the the trail is just crowded. Like there's this riverside park where I like to go running and it's just been full of like joggers and walkers and bicyclers and people with their dogs. So Are they wearing masks? Um, mostly not, no. Mm. Um, so, so the situation as far as like masks and lockdown and all that in Taiwan is we have, uh, we have to wear masks on the subway, like the public transit. And there are a lot of uh, a lot of buildings, especially like larger buildings or malls that will take your temperature when you go in. Wow. And more people than normal are wearing masks outside. But I would say it's 
maybe 30, 40% of people and not the people that are out exercising. I mean, what, what a, a completely unhackable system taking your temperature. <laughs> I mean, you could, you could basically, I guess, walk in with some ice, ice packs. How, how are they taking your temperature? They're not sticking something in your mouth. They're doing it like by one of those yeah, scanning on your forehead, like, right? No contact ones. Yeah. yeah. So let's, let's, say, let's say you were super ill, you had a high temperature, but there was some piece of electronic equipment you had to buy. You mm -hmm. could go to the mall with an ice pack, put it on your forehead. Thank God. I don't think many people would do that here, but you could. Um, the, the, main thing, the main thing they're really good about I love how is, seriously uh, you took that. The contact tracing. Like uh, that and like uh, I know of someone that was on a quarantine because he'd just been visiting somewhere else. And he like had one cigarette right outside his apartment and got fined. Like it was immediately tracked down and fined. And it, like if, you, if your cell phone goes out, for like 15 minutes, police will probably be there within the 15 minutes. Oh my gosh. Because like you're being geo-tracked if you're under quarantine. That's crazy. So like there, there's some, yeah, there are definitely some uh, trade-offs that might not work for the US because of privacy concerns. On the other hand, it's pretty minimally invasive. Well, so. we went out to feed the docs the other day and we were wearing masks and everyone was wearing masks because basically... Yeah. The recommendation is for everyone in California to just wear masks at all times. And it's just, it's just like, change, a, huh? it's just like a, an alternate reality. It's really weird. It's like, it's like living in Star Wars, you know, with all these Darth Vader's walking around. It is. Yeah. And, and it's weird for me too, because, you know, it's like for months I was thinking about this and nobody else was. And now it's like, you know, just totally leapfrogged. Yeah. But, uh, I have seen some good news. I guess it looks like stuff is improving a little in the U.S. or, or the rate of, of getting worse has slowed down at least. So um, that has actually, so sort of related, I've had a, a pretty weird month on the business side for Alchemist Camp. Hmm. My YouTube usage, like the, uh, the amount of subscribers I'm getting and the amount of time they're spending watching my videos is way up. And I've also lost MRR for the first time in a while. Had like so everyone's four... got nothing to do. But so everyone's got nothing to do. So they're coming in, they're looking at all your free stuff, they're introducing themselves yeah. to Alexa, but they've got no money. So they're not like upgrading. Maybe. I, I mean, I've had, I had like four or five people churn. I, do, I did get a couple new customers as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and, it, and it's a little bit hard for me to tell. Like I might be, it might be overdetermined. Like maybe it's because they're, you know, just worried about saving their money and canceling a lot of subscriptions. Or maybe also it's because I'm in the middle of a long free series. I've done like 13 free videos in a row. And then soon I'll be doing a paid series. And like the way it's always gone for Alchemist Camp is I've, I used to do like half of a series free, then the second half paid. Mm -hmm. And I would get all kinds of like YouTube growth when doing the free part. And then when doing the paid part, I would get growth in paid subscribers. Mm. So, and this time I'm doing a whole series free and then a whole series paid after. So, so you're trying a different experiment. That's going to be interesting to see whether, because I would have thought that the way that you were doing it, you'd get more paid conversions because people would be like halfway through and they'd be like, oh, dang it. I want to I see the rest so. of this. I, I think that's true. Although I, I also would kind of hate it 
as a user if that happened every single series. Yeah. So I just said, I'm going to do a whole series on Live View, which is pre 1.0. It's going to be a little messy because I've got to upgrade during it. And that'll all be free. And then I'll do a paid one on, on uh, this GraphQL library that's popular for Elixir called Absinthe. And then later I'll do a paid one on Live View after it's 1.0, and that'll be like the more stable, solid, long-term one. So people can still do the free one with the upgrades. It'll just not be as good as the paid one. Okay. But they'll get a whole, you know, whole working thing. So um, one, other, one other bit of uh, update is mm -hmm. I have launched a second product using your often mentioned structured procrastination strategy. Yeah, uh, It's not the analytics thing that I've been talking about the last several weeks, but <laughs> I have launched a starter template, which is kind of like Laravel Spark or Jumpstart Rails or something like that. And in fact, I've been chatting with the guy that made Jumpstart Rails and he's been super friendly and given some advice. So Chris Oliver is awesome. Everyone probably knows that if they're familiar with his products, but uh, I appreciated that. But the way you say it doesn't really do it justice because uh, and the, the visuals that you sent me made me excited about it. The brand name. So basically, it's called Elixir Igniter, is that right? It's, it's called Igniter. Phoenix Igniter. Phoenix, Phoenix Ignite. Phoenix is the Rails-like framework for Elixir. Yeah. Phoenix Ignite. A, a I Phoenix think is, is like, you know, it, it, it's in ashes and then it, it bursts into flames. So mm. Igniter, I thought, fit. But Phoenix .com was available. Igniter or Ignite? Phoenix Igniter. Phoenix Igniter. And when, when I saw it on the page with the logo that you've done and the general brand, it was just like, yes, that's, that's my favorite thing that you've done as a, as a brand. Um, I, cool. I think it, it just sounds exciting. It sounds vibrant and it looks, it looks vibrant. And um, it, it just seems like one of those things that you would see on the front page of, of Product Hunt or Hacker News and everyone getting excited about it. I'm hoping that can happen. It, it may be hard in the Elixir ecosystem, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a try. Yeah. I'm going to put it on uh, Indie Hackers also. And the, the other thing I was, say, I, I was just saying in, in line is that, you know, in Nugget, what, what I teach, and this is, this, I've seen this to be very true again and again, is that the, the deeper and more connected something can be like a product that fits you perfectly as a founder, the more, the more chances of success, like it de-risks. So to the, to the point where if you're building on previous success and you, you actually know as a person, I've done something like very similar to this and I've been very successful and this is like just the next step of that same success, that is the perfect product founder fit. So you've already proven everything about it. You've, you've been successful at doing, you know, within the, within the Elixir space. So, it, and you've already got built the audience. I mean, it's, it couldn't be more perfect. It's absolutely perfect. It's, exact fit for your audience and exact fit for you. It's got a lot of overlap, but one, yeah. one thing that's weird about it is, so I've got 54 email signups for it yeah. and something like 35 or 40 of them were signed up on my Alchemist Camp email list. Zero of them are paying customers on Alchemist Camp. Interesting. And these are people that signed up and said, let me know when you start selling this. So I think it might even reach like a slightly different group of people that wouldn't hmm. pay for Alchemist Camp. Like the, maybe they don't want to pay every month for, for lessons, but they also don't want to write their own, you know, oh, yeah. auth and. Oh, you're taking, I mean, you're taking stuff. pain. You're taking like, 
look, if someone has to spend hours and hours writing that stuff and then you give it to them for a certain amount, that's, that's a really big, that's it's classic value proposition. Yes. I'm, I'm uh, pretty, pretty excited about it. We'll and I love how structured, structured procrastination like got you there because you just didn't <laughs> want to do analytics and you're like, oh my gosh. I know I'm supposed to be doing analytics. Uh, I'll do this other thing, which is very, very cool. <laughs> it's a fir- I think it's maybe the first time I've used that, but yeah. hearing you talk about it and then like going back to Nugget last week, it kind of, I don't know, it, 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 uh, it just uh, sparked <laughs> me into action. Yeah. No, I mean, I've had my own structured procrastination because I was work, I was, I don't know, every project. Some, at some point, every project I get like a, a mental block about, and then I just don't want to do it. And, and then because I don't want to do it, then I, I use structure procrastination to do something else. So I've been meaning to do, as, as we discussed, I don't know, like a month ago, I've been meaning to re-release and relaunch Nugget, but I just really, I just couldn't get past the roadblock of not wanting to do it. So then I was working on task flow, but then I got to this place where I couldn't work out how, how to do an effectively good ad task screen. I just, I didn't have it in my brain. Huh. And so I, it was like just the, the mere thought of sitting down and working out how to do that <laughs> was so annoying that I was like, okay, it's going to be easier for me to launch Nugget. So then I launched Nugget and then I started working in Nugget and I realized, okay, the next thing I should do, going back in mind with our, um, the, the concept that we had about low resolution, Mm-hmm. The next thing I should do is pick the seven best lessons and call that Nugget Bootcamp and make that free. And then that, that's the new, the new oh. loss leader that I put up on Product Hunt. And so then I started to do that. And then I was like, oh my God, I really don't want to do this. And then that got me back to task flow to building the ad task screen, <laughs> which I've now got done. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So structure procrastination both ways. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually a really interesting idea, having like a a nugget boot camp because yeah. before it was the nuggets like the ideas for startups themselves that you were yeah. giving away for free right yeah or at least well, some of them the idea came because a guy reached out to me um i can't remember his name right now but he's he's building a some a somewhat similar it's, it's in the similar space it's basically it, i think it's oh that was what it was it was painland pain pain dot land is his thing and so he's he's Jeez. he's he's um from Italy and um, not that that's relevant, but I'm just, just trying to hook onto the things I remember about the, the interaction. So he sent me an email and he's like, Hey, I just, I just bumped into Nugget. You know, I thought I should let you know about my thing. Maybe we should like have a chat sometime. So Painland is basically a, a community website where people can submit different ideas, um, different pains that they're having because he mm. obviously he's come to that same point where he's realized, you know, ideas don't matter. It's pain points that, that matter. Anyway, we had a back, a back and forth, and he, he sent me about seven different ideas that he was thinking about mm-hmm. doing. So I was like, oh my God, I, I can't get into all of this. Like, I just need to give him the essential components of the Nugget course. Mm-hmm. And so I went through them and found seven pages. And I'm like, yeah, if he reads this, then it's going to help him pick the right idea. Then you realize like, oh, those same seven would be useful for a lot of people. Exactly. That's, that's exactly. And, and I don't think that he's going to, I'm not sure that he's going to actually read those pages. <laughs> like I heard nothing from him since then. <laughs> Cause you know, when you give people unsolicited advice, they're like, I don't know. I didn't ask for this, but um, yeah, I do that a lot. I'm trying, I'm trying not to as much, but yeah, but so I'm not too stressed about that, but the interaction was really valuable because it helped me. It helped me like 
with a gun to the head, I'm like, okay, what seven things should I send to this guy so that if he reads them, it's going to make him pick the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually... So, so these seven things are good, but it doesn't take away the value of Nugget because Nugget is this full, it, you know, it's this immersive, complete process um, that is, you know, a long time. So it, it's exactly what you said, which is it's the low resolution version of the course. Mm-hmm. And so if that's free and that's available for everyone to, to go through, then that's actually some, kind some of cool. results. Then it, 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 so it's, it's gets me a result because it's free and, I can put, do, put it on Product Hunt and it can be the Nugget Bootcamp. I can tell everyone this is what you should do first. So that means when they do the, the real Nugget, even though it's high resolution, it doesn't matter because they already did the low resolution version. Yeah. Well, I think with the exception of 30 by 500, just about everything I've bought that wasn't really cheap, I'd already gotten something for free or very cheap from the same people that was useful yeah. for me. And then I was like, oh, I want more of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that, and so that's what it would be. But now I'm just, I've talking it through with my wife and that, that would be a faster path to money, mm-hmm. but just talking it through with Georgie, we've decided that probably the best thing for me to focus on is task flow for all the reasons really? that I, I previously said, because, um, even if I do put that out and it did get 2000 people and I did get a couple of hundred customers, it would end up in, you know, like a 50 grand bump or something like that. But mm-hmm. it's not sustained revenue. Right. It's not sustained an ongoing revenue. And it's not really building the true life-changing business that we need yet. Makes sense. So what I should do is task flow, begin to get that sustained revenue, then circle back to Nugget and probably just make it completely free and do that other, um, the low resolution piece. So. Mm-hmm. I think okay. Nugget's going to end up not being a money maker. So it's kind right? of like um, moving the free line, I think is what I've heard that called. I, I just think that I, the reason why I'm doing Nugget is not to make money. I'm doing Nugget to help yeah. entrepreneurs. That's basically the Well, I, I think if you help, I mean, if you help a lot of entrepreneurs get what they want, that will almost definitely make you money long term. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, I uh, so. yeah. It, so that's, that's interesting. That's a, that's uh, a pretty bold plan, like uh, like basically making it so this first part is free, and then eventually the whole thing. Yeah, I think Although, Nugget should generally, just generally speaking, be be um, a resource for entrepreneurs to to help them be successful. I, I think once I can afford to, I want to lower the prices on Alchemist Camp as well, because I I think you know like a lot of the churn is because it's fairly expensive. Like it's worth that if you like really need help figuring something out, but you know, maybe you don't want to keep paying $20 a month once, uh, you know, once you're not like in the middle of, of, uh, you know, problem at work or something. So, yeah, it's just, a, it's sort of differentiate, like it's working out the why, why, why am I doing this business? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this business? Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. So at what, at what point, that's that, that's what's a bit confusing about doing something that's both altruistic and revenue generating. That's really hard. Yeah. Do, do you think of um, Alchemist Camp as altruistic or just revenue generating? Um, I, well, I think it definitely helps people, and I think it, uh, I, th- I think it also helps the Elixir community and that kind of thing. So I've got you know 130 videos or something on YouTube that are you know free and shared with everyone. Uh, however, doing like by 
helping people for free, it's also generating goodwill, which as I like to say, doesn't get taxed ever. So it just, you know, <laughs> keeps accumulating. And that is helping me sell the paid stuff. So I, I, I guess it's like, I guess in a, in a real sense, my own incentives are really aligned with what's good for other people too. Um, the, the only, I mean, I, I guess the, the main point of tension is just pricing. You know, it's like, how much do I charge what I charge for? And I, so far I've decided to go the route of making a lot of stuff free more than any of my competitors by far. And then when I do charge, I charge more than any of the competitors. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Not a ton more, but like 20, 25% more. There's something else that I wanted to tell you that a, a huge realization that I had about Nugget mm-hmm. um, that, that might be playing subconsciously into all these decisions. So with this new batch that I've launched, there's, there's already nine people in there. And I've noticed with the last few batches, the relationship that I have with those people is completely different. So really? in, the first, in the first few batches, like the first four batches, the relationship was very hands-on, very, they wanted to speak to me. We had a lot of discussions, a lot of communication, um, and became friends. But in the, last, in the last few batches, especially, and this is becoming you know, more pronounced as the batches go by, I try and reach out to them and they're just like, no, I don't want to speak to you. I'm doing my call. I'm doing the course. You don't need to speak to me. Essentially is what is what Leave me saying. alone. I'm busy learning yeah. from you. So I'm, I'm, I was trying to think like, why, why is that? And then what, what I realized is it's the technology adoption curve. The first people all the first people who got involved in Nugget came through those roots of knowing that it was a beta product, mm-hmm. knowing that I didn't know exactly what I was doing and that they kind of wanted to help and be part of that process. And there wasn't very much uh, vis- you know, visible proof that, of it. It, it, it mm-hmm. didn't really exist. So, so they, they wanted to be early part adopter of that. types. They, want, they were early adopter types. But now when you go into Nugget, when you go through the journey, you can see that there's like 60 people there and there's all their pictures and there's all the projects that they've made. So the people who are making the buying choices now are like, yeah, yeah, this is kind of, this looks like a legit thing. And I just, I'm here to learn. I'm just, I'm here to buy this. I'm not, it's not about building a personal relationship or being an early adopter. So, and which has a knock on effect of changing how the product should ideally be for that kind of person, because it's not optimized for that level of scale for that level of person. So that's the other problem with Nugget and the other reason why I didn't want to do the, the course of bringing in the next 2,000 people in because it isn't really optimized for scale. It's, more, it's set up for early adopter experiences, not set up for scaled experiences. So, so what, would, what would change? Like, like what would the Nugget for this new group of people be like? Well, there would be, there would be a, lot more, um, a lot more interactive stuff like Speak. So, you know, like, like there, there would just be a lot more handholding um, of, and videos and, th- you know, creating their personal connection through the videos and the, and the help. Because the, a lot of the nuance in the material, I just was talking with people one-on-one. Ah, but, yeah, you know, this, yeah. this means this. Ah, yeah, yeah, but, you know, you don't need to. But that kind of needs to be baked into the actual full product. So, that yeah, sense. that's pretty much what it would be. So, so that's another reason why I didn't really want to bring in another couple of thousand people because it's not, re- it's not exactly ready for that type of person. 
I have to, yeah, I have to think about similar stuff with my new product, the, uh, the starter template, because people that are buying that mm. likely don't spend a lot of time watching my YouTube videos. Yeah. They're not commenting. They're not sending me questions on Twitter. They're probably people who just want a one-off transaction. They yeah. want to buy something yeah. and they want to use it to speed up their development. So as a result, I need to build out like a big docs page where I have, yeah. you know, documentation yeah, exactly. on every single thing the thing provides and give, give an experience. It's more like, uh, um, more, more like just what, if you're looking at a framework, you know, every customer can't be your friend. And that, that, that might be a good show title. <laughs> every customer can't be your friend. Yeah. That's not bad. So the mental model that I've got this week is uh, it's one from Gabriel Weinberg's new book. And it's, it's actually just a basic economic idea, which is comparative advantage. And the idea of that is uh, if you, it's, it's basically like the reason for doing trade. Like if, if one person or group is better at one thing and a different per- person or group is better at a different thing, obviously it makes sense. Like say, you know, you're good at doing designs and your friend Jason is good at uh, writing algorithms you will do better if you write, if you make the design for something, he does the algorithms, uh, then vice versa. The thing that's interesting though, is comparative advantage isn't just about uh, your absolute advantage. Like you could actually be in a place where, uh, say working as a farmer, you are less productive than an American farmer and working as a biology researcher, you're also less productive, but the gap is larger for being a biology researcher than being a farmer. So everybody still makes money if you do the farming and then trade your food to Americans in exchange for biology research, like in a super, super simple example. So what you want to do, uh, like this, this would be, you know, like a free trade advocate would say for a country, but it's also super true for a person. Um, What you would want to do is find the thing where you have more of an advantage in comparison to how much of an advantage you have versus other people at doing other things. So this is partially why I decided to do the Phoenix Igniter project. And that's because Um, maybe somebody else is better at making the project than I am. And maybe they're better than me at lots of different things, but I do have one advantage, which is I already have uh, an audience of people that are interested in learning Elixir. And a lot of people trust me for that and are more likely to be interested in this starter template that I can release. So uh, even if it's not, the one thing I'm best at, and even if it's not something I'm better at than everyone else, it's very possible that I have a massive comparative advantage doing this versus spending my same time, you know, making new software from scratch or making uh, a template for Rails Rails developers or or even the analytics thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's sort of, in a way it's, it's similar somewhat to the product founder fit stuff we were talking about before. Yeah, um, yeah, it's sure like thing. it's right. It's right for you. So yeah, I yeah, that's good. I like the, that idea of comparative advantage, and it's also 
even though it might be negative, it could still be an advantage. I like that. Yeah, because the I mean the the sad thing is like if if you know like say you're 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 comparing yourself to like Leonardo da Vinci, who is an amazing artist, amazing scientist, really good athlete when he was young. Um, you know maybe like maybe you'll just feel horrible and not do anything, but then again you might realize there are things you can do which are valuable that uh, are not the best use of his time and he's not going to be doing them competing against you. Um, so. You know, so so same thing with like if you're a little bootstrapper, like maybe Google can do everything better than you can. It's very possible, but they won't because you know a lot of things are small enough that it's not worth their time. Yeah, it's not worth their time. Yeah, but also something that's really difficult for them to do is to get a product out quickly. So yeah, or yeah. customer support. Yeah. Customer support, they can't do. I, I, saw the, I saw the scariest thing on YouTube uh, or on Hacker News, which is someone's YouTube channel. The entire channel was disabled by accident. Yeah. And they, like, they didn't have anything like, remotely close to like, hate speech or um, you know, any, anything pornographic. It was actually like some economics geek and they had mostly been talking about basic income and the whole channel was disabled by accident. And they, and they got they it got back from social of, media. Um, they got to the top of Hacker News and yeah. lots of Googlers read That's what I was news. saying to you. That's what I was yeah. saying to you, like for you to do that to your case. If, I, I've seen that oh, happen the bank, with Hacker News. With a bank. Yeah. Okay. I've seen that happen Maybe, with Hacker yeah. News a number of times where it gets to the top of Hacker News and then that fixes the problem because that's enough attention. Yeah. Well, Twitter does it too. Like there was, uh, um, there was a guy, Chris Hawks that made a bunch of tutorials on YouTube and then, uh, someone just stole them and started selling them on Udemy. And he talked to Udemy tech support or Udemy customer support. They ignored him, like nothing happening. Then he got to the top of Reddit and Udemy like instantly like apologized and gave, gave him, you know, back all the money the other person had made and all that. Wow. Yeah. Um, if like if customer support sucks like sometimes social media is the only way so what are your goals for next week um let's see so my i don't have a goal as far as the number of uh of licenses i want to sell for my my uh, starter template but i want to get in a good amount of work on it uh, which I guess I'll quantify as saying I want to make at least uh, I want to, I want to make at least say eight components like eight uh, uh, Tailwind CSS components for it and what else record at least one video for Alchemist Camp and make it to the government office and submit all <laughs> my my documents on Friday morning. Nice, that's pretty good. Um, any fitness goals? Go for a couple of runs? <sighs> no, I'm just, I feel exhausted. It's too much other stuff. I'm going okay. to take a week off. <laughs> All right. Um, well, my goals are I want to stay 70% above, keep my blood sugar in range for over 70% for seven days between now and then. I was, it, to, get, you know, to give you an example, I was 64% over the last seven days. So, that would be a 6% improvement, you know? So yeah. I just want to get over that 70%. Um, then my, so that's my health stuff. And then, oh, by the way, I got down to my, my lowest weight today. Um, nice. 2, 214. 
two, not bad. Yeah, I've. It's just never thought it would happen. But anyway, two one four. That's crazy. Um. So I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing regarding with the vegetables and and the general way that I'm eating. Um. And it's interesting that even though my blood sugar's bad, um, I'm still sort of in a good losing weight place. Yeah, it seems like that's going to have a positive effect yeah, long term, no matter yeah, what. Yeah. Um. So with task flow, I guess. I've got the add task screen. So now I need to actually make it put tasks into the database and then list them in some way. And I might even possibly start looking at integrating the strategy stuff, but at a minimum, you can actually enter tasks and view them and sort of, you know, type in some notes about them. That's what, that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that'd be a big step. Yeah, I think so. Because then I can start dog fooding it for reals. Right. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember one other goal. Sorry. Sure. Um, so th- remember that that thing about uh, handling cancellations so that I, oh, I yeah. don't terminate the yeah. don't terminate subscriptions until the end of their billing cycle? Yeah. Uh, it turns out that's kind of a pain because I need to upgrade my Stripe, my Stripe API versions. Oh. So I used a hack. So basically I'm manual like I'm manually canceling people at the end of their uh, their cycle now oh okay that's a good and plan. what I well what what I want to do for next week though is is get the upgrade done um, it used to be you could cancel at end of cycle but that's removed from the API and you use a totally different call now so oh okay that's uh that's why I got to upgrade yeah okay so that's right. that's pretty much it Cool. All right. Well, see you next week then. See you then. Over and out. Yes.